0: Oh
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Welcome back to What Lincoln's Thinking. I'm Peyton Peterson joined by the one and only Colton Trump and Trump, I had to say I'm super excited about today's episode. Oh, I am too. Just absolutely bricked up to the mass. Why are you so bricked up? Well, we have a special guest joining us today, and because he refuses to come and see us in Missoulo, we're going to have to call him over the phone, so we'll see how the audio turns out. Hopefully, it's not too trash, but we're super excited about it. Good friend of ours. And... We're ready to get started, Trump. Do you have anything to say
0: before we get started? I'm, I'm, I'm so excited. I, I'm i very excited. It's, it's been a while since we've had a guest on, so I think it's going to be perfect. A good first guest back. We took a break for a while for putting out episodes, and I think it's going to be great. And
1: joining us now, representing the Grindhouse out of Billings, Montana. The dude fights MMA. He's a boxer, does kickboxing. He's 3-0 in boxing, 1-0 in kickboxing, 1-2 in MMA. Dude's an absolute dog. Joining us now at 6'6", 175 pounds, Joey, the Gentleman Lodeen. Yeah.
2: Is that my cue? <laughs> am I, am I in?
1: Oh, you're in. <laughs>
2: Been a hot any man. How's uh how's life treating you? How's uh how's Lincoln? How's uh.
1: Well, we miss you at peace dish this year. You have anything to say about that, you fucker?
2: Oh, <laughs> well, we're jumping straight into it. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. You know, some of us. You know, we gotta take EMT classes. We gotta go after our careers, chase our dreams. You know, and, and you know, at this point, you know, my my career is not going in the terms of basketball and drinking lots of lots of booze. So I didn't have any time. You know.
1: So yeah, we but just we just did an it. entire episode about Pete Sitch and it would have been a dream to have you on that. So we, we had to get you on here. Joe, you spent a lot of time in Lincoln with us. How can you describe your times in Lincoln and when are you coming back?
2: Mm, okay. Here if I could if I could summarize it like the back of a book, I would I would say There's intrigue, there's love, there's romance, there's violence, there's uh crime intrigue and lots of lots of good times uh as soon as I can man the, even the drive to Lincoln is a is a joy and a treat so I need to um I need to come back maybe July 4th hopefully Ooh. something like that
1: <clears throat> got pretty if dark not sooner, last time. but I
2: know y'all running I mean, this party hard on July 4th so include me you know?
1: uh, just tagging on to that piggyback in if you will what what was your favorite memory from spending time in Lincoln?
2: hmm let's see there was so the two the two drinks in lincoln the the bush lattes as as trump has probably i'm sure you know the sponsorship has reached around to, to touch uh colton trump um i i would say my fondest memory as my first ever experience with rumplements and, uh, and and the, the life-changing effects um, that that had. I remember we were all – I didn't realize at the bars that we were at that there was an occupancy, like a maximum occupancy, and it was like 49, and there were way more than 49 people in there. It was completely packed, and uh, yeah, that was like the, – and then I wrote my name on the ceiling. Do you remember that? <laughs> I remember that. That was fun. Then I got punched by a dude in the tummy because I said I could take any damage, and he punched me as hard as he could. And I thought I was going to puke, but I was also, you know, pre, so I, I I didn't feel anything at the same time.
1: And Joey, sense. you didn't you didn't believe us when we said in Lincoln, Montana, people only drink Bush Light. You were like, all right, like that's probably an exaggeration. And we take Joey yeah. to the bars, and it, was that the case, Joey?
2: Hmm can 110% attest that really they, they don't even ask you what you want. Like most bars, you go, to the, you go to the bar and you ask the bartender for a drink and they'll say, what do you have? She's already got a can of Bush Light waiting for you. She doesn't even ask. She just hands it to you. Oh, so yeah.
1: And so Joey Lodeen here, a Montana Class C legend, basketball stud. Trump, tell the folks why we should know about this man from his hoop playing
0: times. Oh, back, Ooh, the hooping days back when he was in high uh, school man oh is he talking Joey school? let Trump talk god hey, damn it Jesus. Jesus I can't hear oh you can't hear <laughs> I can hear you now can you feel me now yeah, I think so oh, sweet but yeah just to recap on the times I remember seeing Joey play me and Joey were actually in the same class and since day one I'm like this guy is going to be a problem on the basketball court. Dog. Dog. And he's kind of a hard player to explain. Looks like he plays post, but like he has the guard skills. But obviously, if you're six foot six, you're going to get stuck playing post in Class C basketball.
1: <laughs> and that's the thing. I remember watching him my eighth grade year. I got moved up to play high school. I was trash when I was eighth grade, but they needed the numbers. And I remember seeing Joey's lanky ass on the court. I'm like, oh, this, all right. And he was just getting buckets. So, Joey, you would have been a freshman at districts and getting real playing time. For those of you that don't know, Joey um he went to Valley Christian here in Missoula and all state player. Ended up transferring to Manhattan Christian your senior year, right, Joey? Yes. And how would you describe your experience from Valley Christian and transitioning to Manhattan Christian? And which one would you like better?
2: Ooh, ooh. Well <laughs> Uh when I moved my senior year, um, the class that I was at in Man- in Manhattan Christian was way bigger. So I'm six six, and our for our starting lineup was like six six, six five, six three, six two. Like everybody over six foot. Our point guard was the only one who was like five five ten or something like that. So as far as like you know the Dutch go, they're pretty large. So. That was the biggest difference basketball-wise, and then, like, group-wise, they're all farmers. So imagine moving from, like, one of the largest cities in Montana to a complete farm town, potatoes and stuff like that. So that was kind of the, the culture change, the culture shock that I had to go through. It was pretty great. It was pretty great.
1: And the culture shock continued as you, once again, a classy boy, you went on to play college hoops and not a lot of kids can do that in the state of Montana, so how would you describe that transition from well, I guess so you go from Valley to Manhattan, people start to know who you are, you're playing in state championship games, to going and playing collegiate basketball.
2: Yeah, so when I was when I went to Miles City, uh still like still a really small farm town, so it wasn't that like that big of a jump as far as um place-wise, but I played against a few guys who went on to play at the University of Akron and uh, a couple of guys that ended up being Cats players, I think a couple of them, me, no, I don't think they are, they've graduated, but as far as the talent level, um, and I will say there's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot more black people <laughs> in uh, college hoops <laughs> than there are in Classy Montana basketball, so That's there's fair. that. That is fair.
1: So what was your biggest highlight playing basketball? It doesn't have to be a single play, but, like, maybe even a favorite moment or just something that you'll take with you forever. Like, hey, I played college hoops. It might have been for Miles City, but, like, I got what it takes to fucking hoop with these boys.
2: Um, well, my – so two of them. When I got to college, it was, like, in Gillette, they have a really large gym because it's a – it's like an oil – place so they have lots of money and they got this big donor to donate like a Megatron. They built a whole like the gymnasium is crazy. And so for junior college, if any of y'all seen like last chance you, it's just like that in basketball. Like some people won't get good grades or they'll come from overseas and they'll play a year in junior college and or two and then they'll go to a bigger bigger college. One of the guys that was all American that we played against from Gillette uh, my freshman year, they were destroying us, but I uh, he, I blocked him twice, like hard. One of them was a backboard slap. He went up for a layup, and I backboard slapped it. And then the other one was one of those where you jump up, and my whole arm wrapped around the ball, and it was like a block-slash-steel, like, you know, they call it a, a jump-ball-type situation. Hassan
1: Whiteside um, kind of play.
2: Yeah, yeah, precisely. And that was, that was when I was still still tying that was my freshman year and then sophomore year i had a my first ever and one put back dunk which was like this two hand this this guy went up for a rebound and he was talking trashers from united tribes which is like a junior college from uh from from the res and stuff like that so they they shot i don't remember one of our guys shot and i timed it perfectly and went over the back not illegally, but went over the, the back of one of the guys who's talking trash the whole game and uh, put it back on his head, and he uh, fouled me in the process. That was two of my
0: favorite moments from basketball. Give him yeah. a good set of nuts to the back of the head. Yeah, yeah, it made him feel me, you know? Hell yeah.
1: So, any, um, I mean, your time playing at Miles City, was there ever any point that you wanted to pursue, pursue more of a basketball career, maybe go try to play D1? Did you ever think that you had that skill set was that anything you ever wanted to pursue
2: uh i had offers to go play in was not the university of wisconsin but a couple of like d2 schools um a couple of D two schools one in boston reached out um and then one northland i think it's in wisconsin i believe but anyways i just i had enough of the college scene in general um and wasn't Quite ready to go out on my own as far as life goes. Uh, just didn't want to leave. I'm I'm from here. I'm born and raised here, and I didn't want to go that far away. So I turned it down and uh, decided I would just do my own thing for a little while.
1: And so you graduate college, and can I ask you just why in the fuck did you move to Billings, <laughs> Montana?
2: <laughs> I got a job, man. <laughs> They were like, come down here and I had been here one time and partied really hard at Duke's and it was it was such a good time that I was like, I will live near that bar if if that's what it takes. So move here.
1: And so the grindhouse in Billings, Montana, that's your passion. I see you posting all the damn time. It looks like you guys are like really like a family. How so you moved to Billings, how do you get started in this fighting process? You're an MMA fighter, you're a boxer, like What sort of sparked this? Obviously, you're an athlete, but this was kind of unexpected for me.
2: Yeah, so this is actually an interesting story. So, when I um, I was dating this one girl, and there was a situation at this party where you know had to had to go lay down the law on another guy, and so I went I went and fought. I actually fought him in Hamilton, uh, like just on the street. Um, that was the first like fight I'd ever been in. And then immediately after that, I went and saw another buddy, John Weimer, in, uh, Kalispell. He, he does, um, fighting for SBG down there, which is Conor McGregor's, um, nationwide gym and saw him fight and thought it was really cool. Wanted to get into it. Thought I'd look up a couple gyms and then went in originally, honestly, I went in just for like a workout just to get a good, you know, boxing workout and get cardio up, and then after like six months or something, my coach was like, so when are you going to fight? And then I ended up fighting two months later, and then couldn't stop.
1: So, you must have been off to a good start with that first fight then, huh?
2: Yeah, it was really evenly matched, so the guy that I fought was a per- was a blue belt, and it was his first fight. Did Colton just say something? No, man.
1: He's just hitting his vape.
2: Oh okay, oh, okay understood. Um, no, it was really well matched, and so I it, it went almost the distance, and it was super. I knocked him down once, twice I think, and then um, yeah, just the longest fight of the evening was our was our fight, and it was super entertaining like visually, and then um, yeah, it was like bloody enough, and then there was plenty of everything. So from yeah. That was that was the first one. I forgot what the
0: question was. All I'm thinking about is, is vapes now. <laughs> All I'm thinking about is vapes now. What is your favorite like MMA move to either like do or possibly learn in the future?
2: Mm, so right now my favorite move that I've thrown is a spinning back fist. I've thrown that a few times in a fight. If I could learn, you know, Conor McGregor's like hand down cartwheel like rolling kick thing
0: yeah I think I've seen her
2: yeah that's if I could do that I would I would like to that would be a, that would be a sick one to throw
0: hell yeah and uh one quick thing we want to kind of point out to our viewers is that you have one of the most sexiest mustaches I think in the entire <laughs> nation oh for sure what made you want to <laughs> start rocking that sexy ass dash?
2: So I was bet. It's all from gambling. My 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 gambling. Uh, I was bet like a trip to Vegas or something like that. That I would wouldn't grow my hair out for a year, so I couldn't couldn't shave my head or couldn't cut my hair, couldn't trim my hair, couldn't trim my beard, couldn't trim my mustache. And after a while of eating food with this long, because like, my mustache grew way longer than my beard. Um. I, uh, put pomade in it and twirled it and, uh, couldn't, from then on, it was like a thing, just couldn't stop doing it. So here we are like a year and a half later.
1: What are you using now for the mustache?
2: So there's actually a company that sponsors me to, to have, to use our wax. And I was using it before it's called a death grip. So it's like this all natural, wax that it's like beeswax and pine and all this other stuff that they mix together uh, and it's specifically for like professional competitive mustachers so i've been using that for a little over a year now
1: so if you are listening to the shitty ass podcast right now and if you're thinking of growing a mustache or if you have a nice mustache basically what joey the gentleman lodin here is saying is Get death grip wax, or you're you're not doing it right.
2: Correct, number one wax in in the world. So do it.
1: And I love I've seen your highlights. I'm I'm ashamed to say that Trump and I have never came to see you fight, but I've I've seen your highlights and I see when you post them and you have the mustache while you're fighting all curled up. And I listened to like the commentators, announcers, and like they kind of cracked me up because they were saying he still got the curls, like you still have your fucking mustache while you're fighting. <laughs>
2: Yep, yep. No damage. No. uh If, if it's not, I, get, I guess I always told him if my mustache is intact, then uh, then I'm intact. So as long as it's curled, I'm doing fine.
1: So, when you first started fighting, your first match was a boxing match, correct?
2: No, my first one was full on MMA. Yeah, yeah. Four ounce gloves are essentially with four ounce gloves. It's just covering like it's so you don't break your hands, but it's the same as getting punched with a bare fist. Uh, so it hurts a lot more, uh, and it's a lot scarier than like 16 ounce gloves. Everything's covered. Your fingers are covered. It doesn't hurt as much. Um, it's kind of daunting, man. You you get, you don't know what's going to happen either. You could get hurt. You could get knocked out. You've seen people. I mean, anybody, you watch people knock other people out and you like, that's super exciting. And then all that you see as somebody competing is like, oh, that could definitely happen to me. <laughs>
1: So, you're one and two in MMA. When was your last MMA fight, and do you plan on doing that in the near future?
2: Yeah, so, um, my last one was last summer, so probably close to a year ago, like a little less than a year ago. Um, after my first fight, my second fight was against a Division one wrestler who, um, trains at John Jones's gym with Henry Cejudo and John Jones, and then that was my second fight, so he whooped me good on the ground just in wrestling, and then the next guy I fought, I was in Cody, Wyoming, and he was a jiu-jitsu black belt, Uh, had been doing jiu-jitsu since he was seven, and he choked me out, so... The grappling aspect of MMA is really, really hard, and I'm I'm good at striking. I'm good at boxing. I'm good at kickboxing, but anytime somebody takes me to the ground, it uh, it doesn't end well. So once I get a little bit better at that, I can go go back to MMA. But um, just gotta train it a little bit first.
1: Yeah. So it sounds like you think as of right now you might be a better boxer than an MMA fighter, and your record shows that you haven't lost a fucking boxing match. Like that's incredible. And so you're six foot six, your reach must be an insane advantage when you're in the ring.
2: You know, I I hear that. Like a lot of people ask me that, but most of the time matchmakers will match me with like the guy the division one wrestler was six three, the the guy after him was six two with the longest arms. I, I swear to god his arms were touching the ground while he was standing up. <laughs> so it is an advantage over most people, but the people that I fought it I mean, it's, it is, to an extent, it's like 72 inches is my reach or something like that. But his, uh, like our wingspan, not my reach, my wingspan is about that. And, uh, both of those guys had similar, similar reach. So, not all the time is an advantage. It is an advantage, but, um, I've learned to use it pretty well.
1: So, what's your biggest strength in the ring then? You see your, your reach is pretty evenly matched, but what, what separates you from the other fighters?
2: Uh, I'm super cerebral when it comes to fighting. A lot of people, when when you get into a ring, you get nervous and then you start swinging for the fences. You just want to knock somebody out. Um, I, I train the combinations really well and you can see it in a lot of my different boxing matches, especially more recently. I don't throw one-punch combinations unless it's a jab. I throw a lot of three to five punch combinations, um, and I don't brawl. So you'll see people miss me a lot. People think it's just because I have a long reach. But if you watch my feet, I move move my feet with my punches, which adds six more inches to the distance that I already create. And then on top of that, when I do decide to get in tight with somebody – it's usually after I've gotten them to chase after me for a little bit. So I'll jab, jab, jab until somebody wants to come inside, and then I'll throw five punches before you've thrown three because you have to cover the distance between me that I've created with not only my length but my feet too. So footwork in boxing specifically, and I think that's why I've been successful too is because in, in basketball you train your feet all the time. So in boxing, moving my feet just came naturally. And there's a lot of people who can't
0: or won't do that. They just want to brawl. Rocking the jaw lines, baby. (laughs) Yes, sir.
1: And so, Joey, we've known you a long time. And you're like the nicest guy in the entire world. Not to suck your dick or anything, but, like, you're a pretty damn good guy. And so is there just, like, an on switch you have? Like, you get in the ring and you're not fucking playing it. Like, you're not friends with anybody. You just, like... Are there for blood like I, I just it's just hard to hard to imagine how you just go from being everyone's favorite person to rockin dudes
0: yeah
2: yeah I, I get that a lot too a lot of people say that they don't they never understand like why fire things like that there's a lot of references to people being capable of a lot of um, violence and I think that, uh, like for example you ever heard the phrase um, better to be A warrior in a garden than to be a gardener in a war. Hell yeah. Yeah. So training, so it's more competition to me. So yes, there is an on switch as far as I want to win and I want to do my very best and I want to like as as bad as it sounds, I want to hurt you when you're standing across from me in a boxing bench, but I'll. It's, it's more about me winning and being the best that I can be and then climbing each obstacle in front than, you know, I'm going to kill everybody. And, you know, there's – it's just a different mindset. It's, it's why they call me the gentleman too. It's where my nickname comes from of trying to change kind of the the stigma behind the sport itself is you have nice people who do a lot of crazy stuff and are violent. It doesn't make them bad people. It's just – When I have to, and when I want to, you know, tap into that side, I absolutely can. So yes, there is an on and off switch, and I'm very in control about when that goes on and when it goes off.
1: I can definitely agree to that with the competitor's mindset, because I played with you in the Pete Sitch tournament in Lincoln, and you were chirping at me for not getting a chase down block in a tournament that I was hung over in. You were like, what the fuck, Peyton? Like, block that shit. I'm like, dude, I'm barely on this court right now. So, that one makes sense for me.
2: Yep. Yeah, you should have had that block, man. I don't understand. And there was at least two instances where, despite the threat of a technical foul, you definitely should have thrown down at least twice.
1: If it makes you feel any better, I played in Wayne Nessus and Anaconda uh, recently, and I got a dunk in one of those games, so.
2: Let's go. Let's go. It, it
1: wasn't a put-back <laughs> dunk in a, in a college basketball game, but. It was an uncontested dunk in a tournament with a bunch of washed-up dudes, so there you go.
2: Well, Hey, man. Did they tee you up, though? Do you get, do you get teed up in when Switch one? No. They don't? They allow it?
1: No, it's only in the Lincoln tournament because I think years ago, someone actually like broke the backboard or rim or something, so now they have to uh, throw out the tee because the event is for a scholarship it's all like charity so yeah they they don't the family would have to pay for the hoop that got broken so that's why they throw out technicals for the dunks in the in the pieces tournament
2: oh heard heard understood yeah no that's that's sick though was it um two hands or one it was two I'm,
1: i find that my best dunks these days are just like vertically off two feet with two hands
2: nice yep that's the way to go that's power right there baby
1: Oh yeah, I've, I've rattled, rattled the rim pretty good.
2: Oh yeah, I love it. I love it. Had a boy. So when's your next fight? Uh, May sixth. I've got uh, a fellow. in My last, uh, last fight got into the ring after I had won, and called me out. So they're scheduling the fight for the sixth.
1: This man hopped in the ring after you fought and challenged you
2: so jokes on him I'll, I'll I'll enlighten this a little bit because it's kind of a funny story He was scheduled to fight me that very same that very same night but he said I would be too much I had more experience so he didn't want to fight me even though he's fought before too and then I ended up fighting a guy who was 20 pounds heavier than me and knocking him out in the second round and then after I had done that the guy gets into the ring and says, Anybody at a hundred? Anybody here at 175 or 170 pounds? You know, I I could. You know, I'm not impressed with anybody here. So I got in and was essentially like, "Listen, you had the opportunity to fight me before, and now you're using a lot of big words to say you'll fight anybody, even though you and I both know deep down that's not true. Now you have to fight. You said anybody at 170, and I'll fight you at 170 pounds. So, it's lie, his lot, his fault, but it's gonna happen now. So.
1: Do you have anything to say to him if he somehow heard heard you on here?
2: Let's go. Let's go. I meant everything I told you when we... When there were no microphones around, I meant every word I said.
0: This man's going to be eating through a straw here soon. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, sir. So, Joey,
1: when you're fighting, like you got to you're playing in like or you're fighting in arenas i should say how are the how are the crowds is your family there your friends there do what's it like winning over the crowd like that's got to be like quite an experience
2: yeah so the most my favorite part about any fight is the before and the after i love fighting but also it's it's kind of surreal for people to to watch cuz it's short it's not like a long process i mean you're in there for maximum nine minutes sometimes and in my case sometimes a little bit shorter just kidding (laughs) but uh the before and after is great man i mean people the energy is great uh there's a walkout with your favorite music there's no rules um you do what you want um it's funny because you know the twist is dick phrase that there became famous in one video
1: do i do i
2: (laughs) the old dick twist Yeah. I've probably heard that a thousand times. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I think you said that when we you we were in Lincoln for the fourth of July or something like that. We kept yelling, Grab a stick and twist it and you were you were telling us then that you hear that in fights.
2: All the time, man. It's like the most popular MMA phrase.
1: <laughs> so do you following up favorite? with that, do you have anybody like anybody chirping in the stands? Like you ever hear any negative feedback?
2: You know, I never have.
1: Well, that's probably good. I mean, because he'd wake up dead, so... (laughs) (laughs) I'll
2: jump over the ring and I'll I'll come out
1: there. How can you describe the feeling being in the ring? Like, it's mano-a-mano. Like, you're... We've already sort of talked about it, but, like, what's the feeling like? Like, the mentality, the overall experience?
2: I would say that the, the beginning part of any fight for any fighter and don't let anybody at any level tell you any different because they won't. Uh, it's incredibly nerve wracking. Your legs are going to shake. You'll regret everything you've ever done. You'll want to jump, (laughs) want to jump out because it's literally activating your fight or flight, um, responses in your body. So all the adrenaline rushes to your legs and your legs will shake. Your brain is racing, uh, heart rate gets really high, um, and it feels like anything can happen, which is the beauty of it. That's, that's kind of the enjoyment of it: of completely letting go of any experience that you have, and understanding that anything can happen, and that the worst that can happen is going to be physical. There's not like nobody can break you. You've already done something that ninety percent of people will never do. Like, you know, how many people have fought before in the ring? A lot of people can say they've fought in the streets, but you know the ring is a different place um, to compete like that. So it's scary, it's exhilarating, um, and worth it, but it's very scary.
1: So you're gonna keep riding this train, gonna keep fighting, gonna keep climbing up the ladder.
2: Yeah, man. Um, I've got, I've got a lot of um, support now. So. It, it kind of has grown into something that I wasn't necessarily expecting. So now I'm just kind of seeing where it goes and how far it takes me, and then we'll go from there.
1: Hell yeah. So what's like the biggest challenge you face in the ring or training or what's been something that's frustrated you or something that you could work on?
2: Yeah, man. The, the two the two MMA losses were extremely frustrating. Uh, the, the first one, he had me – uh, if anybody knows jiu-jitsu, I, he had me in mount and was landing a bunch of punches, but I was still moving, and 10 seconds left, uh, and then he was throwing some punches I didn't answer anything, but I was still moving, and the ref called it. That was really frustrating. Um, the challenges of a first loss after going through all of these highs of, you could beat anybody and never having lost before, and, you know, those sorts of things are difficult. So losses are are definitely hard in sport too, because there's no blaming. Like basketball, in the back of your mind, you can be like, "Well, if that guy would have hit those two free throws, then maybe we wouldn't have have been in that position." But in in MMA and in boxing, if you slip up and you you know all your training could could be riding on one punch that anybody could land at any point, and that can be that can be frustrating when you put a lot of work into something and then it doesn't turn out the way you want it to.
1: So do you take those MMA losses with you into boxing?
2: Yeah, dude, it's, it's the feeling of it. I was, I started undefeated in MMA. Great telling people like I've never lost and all this other stuff. Um, And then it kind of sucks having a record of one and two in, in MMA. And then, you know, the feeling of a loss, especially in, in martial arts and, In combat sports is one of those things where i don't i don't want to feel those again so it's a driving force in boxing because having lost don't want to lose put in a lot of work to not lose so yeah they do drive me in in boxing and kickboxing.
1: so joey what is how is the like the promotion aspect of fighting band like have you do you interact with other like media and reporters and like in billings are you well known because you're a fighter like i know it's like a the biggest city, quote, city, in Montana. But do people recognize you after after fights?
2: Dude, funny story about that, actually. I just bought a washing machine and a drying machine. And uh, I bought the floor model to save some money. And they put my name on it. And apparently, somebody um, recognized it. It was like, oh, yeah, I saw that guy fight before. So... They recognize me at Fred's Appliance, so I don't know if that that means I'm well-known or not.
1: It's only up from here. You're not going to be able to go to grocery stores anymore.
2: (laughs) First, it's appliances, and then you can't go to McDonald's.
1: Yep. Do people, like, interview after fights? Like, how does that process go?
2: Yeah, I've been on podcasts. I've been... People will come up to me and, like, buy me drinks afterwards and stuff like that. Um, I talked to the, the promoters. I got interviewed after my knockout in Lewistown. Um, so, it's – there's interviews. There's people who – I have been on, like – I've been on pay-per-view, but I haven't necessarily been on TV. But, um, yeah, man, I, I get around.
1: You just shot a uh, – I don't even know how to – like a promotional video for your fight in May.
2: Yeah, yeah, so Townsley Electric uh, sponsors me, and they paid for me to get, like, a professionally shot um, promo video, so in the next um, few days when I officially, this this is, like, actually the first time I've announced that I'm fighting in May, so um, there's that, and then the video will come out, and that'll essentially be my, I'm fighting May 6th and that, so.
1: So we're breaking news on what Lincoln's thinking.
2: Spoiler alert! You guys have have the first first uh, announcement. So there you go.
1: Hell yeah, dude! Are there any other sponsors you want to shout out?
2: No, those are my my two biggest ones. Uh, Death Grip obviously keeps the mustache intact, and then Cownsley is the man who's uh, behind all the all the rest of it. He he keeps the. The bills paid and, and supports me in, in every other way. He's a purple belt in jujitsu too, so he's he's showing me a ridiculous amount of technique stuff too, so
1: that's dope. And so you mentioned you you really you moved to Billings, but you had partied there before pretty hard. Can Billings party like yeah. Lincoln Montana can?
2: Uh, I'm gonna say this. There's nobody who can party as hard as Lincoln Montana does. Yeah, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Billings would get eaten alive by Lincoln And it's significantly smaller So,
1: But I appreciate how you can come to Lincoln And just fucking rage for three days straight Staying up till four o'clock in the morning Bush lights, mumplements and all
2: Oh yeah Dude, you have to it's, it's, a, it's too good of a time to want to go to sleep Come on now
0: Trump, we haven't really heard you talk in a while I, talking, know. I know i I just been in soaking in all the information Joey's been given but I really, I really love how you just, like, came. Like, obviously, you, we knew you in high school. We were pretty all right friends. We didn't hang out all that much outside of high school. And then this one year, you came down to the basketball tournament, and you just absolutely got absorbed into the Lincoln culture, and everyone loved you. I think you had a great time. I just think that was awesome. 100%.
2: Yeah dude I I uh, I love the, the greatest part about it was when you guys first asked me um you asked me once and then I said I couldn't do it and then you asked me again which there's a lot of people who like ask you to do something sometimes out of convenience but you guys asked me like a second time and I was like they actually want me to go. So then I came down and it was an absolute blast and something that I look forward to every single year. Unfortunately I couldn't go this year, but holy smokes, man, I love Lincoln. I love you guys. Y'all are genuine, genuine people. A joy to hang out with and uh Yeah. And and have a good banging ass podcast too.
0: Thanks, man. I appreciate that. We love you too. But I guess I got a quick question for you. <laughs> what is your favorite yeah. beer of choice?
2: Ooh. You know, um, see, I would say, uh, you know, I would say Bush Light, but I'm not as, as into it when I'm not in Lincoln. I like the dirt church here in Billings. It's a, it's a Billings brewed beer. But if I'm like grabbing a cold can, uh, Bush Light is definitely the, the way to go. And I've, I won't do anything else. I used to drink Coors. I don't anymore. doesn't have the memories. It doesn't taste like memories. Um, so Bush Light when I'm not drinking draft beer.
0: I'm a Bush man through and through. I, I go to a brewery, ask if they got Bush Light. They say Bush. no. I say I'll take a water then. <laughs> <laughs> I was seeing him do it.
2: Is that real? That's real life, huh? I believe it too.
1: Yeah. What? And that's his mentality though, dude. We went to, I don't even know where we were. Like, a, a diner somewhere that had breakfast, obviously. And Trump was like, "Do you guys have like homemade chicken fried steak here?" And the waitress, who was so excited to like tell him about, it, like, "Yeah, it's it's hand breaded. You know, we do it here. It's really good." And Colton's like, "Oh, okay. Uh, I'll just have biscuits and gravy then." Because he likes the shitty, cheap, like, pre-made, frozen Cisco shit. Broke this woman's heart. <laughs>
2: That is hilarious. I can
0: see it too. All right, anything else you cocksuckers want to talk about? No, I think I'm good. Thank you, Joy, for yeah. hopping on this podcast and giving us all this great information. And we love you, bro.
2: Dude, uh, here's my guarantee to you. All right, I'm gonna. You've heard it here first. Uh, when I fight May 6th, and after I knock this fool out, uh, and they hand me the microphone, I'm shouting y'all out.
1: Hell yeah. Is that a guarantee you're going to knock him out?
2: 100%. You heard it oh. here first.
0: Oh, damn. going to drop this fool.
1: Everyone, Joey, the Gentleman Lodean. Joey, thanks so much for joining us. We would love to have you on the podcast again at some point. Maybe even after your fight. That would be badass. Um, good luck on Hell, everything yeah. coming up. We're going to stay in touch for sure.
2: Hell yeah, brother! I appreciate you guys uh, letting me come
1: on, and uh, yeah, keep doing good things. Man. Well, uh, that's the end of the episode, right? I don't think we have we have time for anything else.
0: Yeah, I think I think we're all done here.
1: I'm just fucking with you. You wouldn't really think that I would forget everyone's favorite segment, Tara's opinion.
2: <laughs> Cj Stroud needs to take a seat. At the end of a bench. Roll Tide.
1: Jesus.
0: man's a dog. Get wrecked, Trump.
1: And now, that's all we have time for today, folks. Thanks for listening, as always. Don't be scared to follow us on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, the whole fucking shebang. Share with your pals. Good looks, baby. Trump, you got anything to say? Fuck them kids, bro. Hell yeah. Deuces.